Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, y'all, welcome to No Limits Church. Today we're continuing our series called God Privileged. I'm just really thankful that you guys are here. Y'all are looking good this morning. I love the ladies dancing in the front this morning. That was awesome. Hope to see more of that. Maybe y'all can get a line dance going on or something next time. Be good. Hey, if you're joining us online, I want to say hey to you too. It's great to hear the word of God over the internet. But if you ever have the chance to be here with us in person, I highly encourage you to come be with us. We'd love to have you. And for those of you who don't know me, my name's Kate. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And at No Limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. All right. Hey, Jake, in the back. <laughs> Notch my mic down just a hair because I hear a little bit of feedback going on up here. Thanks, man. (laughs) Inside joke from small group this morning. His name's really Drake, but my dad's been calling him Jake. So that's his new church nickname. (laughs) So just go ahead and call him that from from now on. Well, y'all, this series is all about living in God privilege. We've been learning about how to live in the promises of God. And so far, we've been diving into God's promise of wealth. And the bottom line is God wants you to prosper. That's why I keep telling you, God wants you to prosper. And here's what I mean when I talk about prosperity. It's more than enough for my family, plus an overflow to accomplish everything God asks me to do. And that goes just in line with scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. In other words, God wants you to have way more than you need so that you have the abundance needed to help others and to do the things that he asks you to do. So say this with me again. God wants me to prosper. So I'm curious, is there anybody in here who's already seen an increase in their financial situation since we started this series? Raise your hand if that's you. Awesome. Anybody want to come tell a testimony? Anybody up for it? Come give us some details. Come share. Anybody? None of y'all that raise your hand are brave enough to do it, huh? Jamie? <laughs> I saw her hesitating. <laughs> okay, I don't do this kind of stuff. He's the talker, not me. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, Cade was talking about, he had basically spoke over us saying that um, some of you will receive a raise, you know, and things like that. Um, mine was a couple of weeks after that. I work for the same company my husband does. So as you can imagine... I have to work a little bit harder so that favoritism isn't a thing, and I'm, I'm, I have to prove my worth probably 10 times more than anybody else in the entire company. Um, well, I was going over, we have this new project that I'm over that's the entire board of the company that owns us, owns our company, is will be watching it. Um, it's hard dollar, which means you, you, you don't get any more money. You said you would do this job for this amount of money. You got you to gotta pull it off. Well, I was putting together my, I get it. So I had to put together some gross margins on everyone that would be staffing the project, including myself. I was at 60%, just me alone. So that was a big eye opener on how much they were making off me versus what, yeah, what I was being paid. So they saw those numbers and I received a 50% increase in my pay. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, so. That's awesome. Praise God. <laughs> Woohoo! That's awesome. Yeah. That's a big old raise, isn't it? <laughs> Come on now. 
Now, if this hasn't happened for you yet, I don't want you sitting there thinking, I wish something like that would happen to me. We're going to deal with some stinking thinking right there. Your thoughts should be, I'm next. I'm next. It's coming for me next. All right, so last week we talked about trust and provision, right? I explained that there's a prerequisite to living in God's promise of wealth. First, you've got to learn to trust God with your needs. Because if you don't trust him with your needs, you're going to be too busy taking care of your own needs to ever even think about prospering, right? I think we've all lived in that rat race is what they call it. You see, God's love language is trust. He feels the most loved by us whenever we trust him. And I'm not talking about trusting him when everything's going right. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. I'm, I'm talking about trusting him when things aren't going quite like you want them to. That's when you trust God. And another word for trust, I realized, is actually faith. Right? I mean, faith says, I don't care what my circumstances are. God's promises are true. The doctor doesn't get the final word. God's promises are true, right? So God's love language is trust, and trusting God is a simple definition of faith. And look at what Hebrews has to say about faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That happened for Jamie. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it all comes full circle. If we want to love God, then we got to trust him, even when things aren't going like we want them to. And to illustrate, I'm going to read a message that I received a few days ago from somebody right here at church. And here's what she said. She said, I just received a company-wide email to receive the vaccine by December 8th or face termination. I just submitted my exemption letter along with some research this morning. Pastor, thank you so much for your message on Sunday. You may never know how timely it was for so many. I can have peace in the storm because my father cares for me. That's what it sounds like when you trust God, right? You get served with an impossible situation. You do what you can, and then you trust God. And you rest in the peace that surpasses all understanding. And in order to get to a place where we live in God's promise of wealth, you first have to learn to let God take care of your needs. And here's the scripture you need to stand on. You might need to put this one on your bathroom mirror, right? Philippians 4.19, God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So God supplies how many needs? All. All needs. And where does he get these resources to supply your needs? From his glorious riches. Isn't that good news? From his glorious riches, do you have to earn it? No. It was given to you in Christ Jesus. You don't need to waste one moment concerned with your own needs. Why? Because God supplies all my needs. If this isn't yet a reality in your life, it's because you're trusting something other than God, which is really kind of silly if you think about it. Why would we even do that? But last week, I explained why so many Christians have these trust issues. The answer is found in the life of Jesus. He always referred to God as his father. He had a full understanding that the father and the son were one, and he knew that the father was well pleased with the son. But there is one time that Jesus called him something other than father. I showed you this last week. It was right before he was about to die on the cross. In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And notice he didn't say, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Because for a moment in time, Jesus became an orphan so that we could become sons and daughters. It's the divine exchange. Jesus took my sin so that I could have his righteousness. Jesus took my sickness so that I could have his healing. Jesus took my shame so that I could have his glory. And Jesus took the curse so that I could live in the blessing. 
Jesus took my orphan spirit so that I could be God's son. And he took your orphan spirit so you could be God's son or you could be God's daughter. That's who you are. I am a son of God. I belong to him. You see, orphans, they're obsessed with what they do. They think, you know, if I do something for God, then I'll have something from God. And if I have something from God, then I'll become something for other people. But sons and daughters, they don't think like that at all because they're secure in who they are. They say, because of my father, because of my father, I already have what I need. And because of what I have, I do. I do. And this is the answer to any trust issues that you have with God. All you need to do is ask him to heal your orphan spirit. God, heal all those times my earthly father messed up so that I don't see you through that lens anymore, but I see you as my loving heavenly father that you really are. So I want to know, is there anybody who would like to share how the message from last week transformed your relationship with God? Maybe you find yourself now in your prayer time calling him father instead of God, and you're just approaching him differently. Anybody want to share a testimony from last week? All right, I won't make you. But I just hope that message sticks with you your whole life. I have to catch myself. I'll go to him and say, hey, God, I mean, hey, hey, Father, you're my Father. <laughs> you're my Father. you got to remind yourself. It's awesome. All right, so today I'm going to solidify what we talked about last week. We're going to talk about how your identity affects wealth. So last week we talked about how, who God is to us. He's our Father, and now I'm going to show you who you are to God. And this past Monday I took my six-year-old on a date and she wanted to go to Hobby Lobby to get some Christmas decorations for her room. So that's where we went. And on the way in, she said, I know exactly what I want. I saw it last year, and I bet it's still there. All right. So we went down every Christmas aisle looking for this thing that she had in her mind. And as we were walking down each aisle, I'd point something out and ask, babe, is that it? No, that's, that's not it. So we kept walking. And after we had been down every aisle twice... I squatted down and I asked her, I'm like, okay, explain to me what you are looking for <laughs> so I can help you find it. And she said, I want a Christmas tree that looks like our big tr Christmas tree, but it isn't big. So I took her over to the Christmas tree section and showed her the little three-foot Christmas tree. I was like, is this it? No, that's, that's, not, that's not it. That's not what I want. Then we went back to the section with the mini Christmas trees. You know, the ones that are like that big? You know, the, that was the first aisle that we went to, by the way, <laughs> when we got there. So I pulled out the one with the little burlap base around it. I was like, is this it? And she said, well, the limbs weren't quite spread out, right? So I was like, maybe that's why she's not recognizing this. I'm like, when you spread out the limbs, it looks like a Christmas tree. She's like, yeah, that's not it. I don't want that little burlap base on the bottom. And I was like, she didn't say burlap. She's like, I don't want it to look like that at the bottom. It's like, okay. So we walked down the aisle just a little further. There was one without it. Thank God, right? I was like, is this the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's what I wanted. Woo, finally. <laughs> oh. We finally found it. <clears throat> and I don't know if you've seen this section, but they have everything you could ever want for a mini Christmas tree. Y'all ever seen that aisle in Hobby Lobby? Everything. So we went through and we picked out everything Leanna wanted for her tree. You know what's interesting? She never asked the price of any of the stuff that she picked out. Never, not once. She was just looking around and grabbing everything that would complete her vision of this Christmas tree for her room. We got a mini tree skirt, a mini tree topper, a bunch of mini Christmas ornaments, a mini little garland thing that goes around there, and mini lights, and all this mini stuff, right? It was quite the haul. And actually, when we got home and we opened up the bag that was full of stuff, Beth's like, I don't know how you're going to get all that to fit on that Christmas tree. <laughs> and it did not fit. <laughs> <laughs> 
But not once was Leanna concerned with paying for everything. In her mind, she was on a date with dad. Dad said that she could have a Christmas tree for her room, and dad was going to take care of it. She didn't take time to think, I wonder if I deserve this. She didn't ask me how much money we had in the bank. She willingly used her dad's resources to fulfill her vision for a Christmas tree, for her room. Most of us wouldn't even dare be that bold with our Heavenly Father. Yet here's what Scripture tells us in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you know what this Scripture is referring to? When you find yourself struggling with sin, this is how you're supposed to respond. That's what it's talking about. It's basically saying, hey, when you're at your worst, when you've really messed up, come boldly to your Father and receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Why does God want you to march up to his throne with boldness and say, hey, God, hey, Father, I messed up. I sinned against you. He wants you to do it boldly. Why? Because the only reason a Christian struggles with sin is because they've forgotten who they are. That's the only reason. And the best way for you to be reminded of who you are, a son of God, a daughter of God, is to be in the Father's presence. And here's how James explains it. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Do you realize you've never seen your face? You've seen a reflection of your face, you've seen a picture of your face, but you've never actually seen your face. You've also never seen your spirit. But the word of God works like a mirror so you can recognize your spirit. So when you neglect the word of God, you forget what you look like. You forget who you are. You forget that you're free from sin. You forget that you're healed. You forget that you're God's righteousness. You forget that you have authority over Satan. You forget who you are because you're not looking in the mirror. And when you forget who you are, you find yourself living in sin. But the best part of it is, even though the mess that you find yourself in is your own doing, God says, come boldly to my throne of grace and receive mercy. Come into my presence and receive healing. Why? Why is God so gracious? Because he wants to remind you of who you are. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he is well pleased with you. He's well pleased with you. He loves you. And he wants to supply all your needs. So the only reason a Christian struggles with sin is because they forget who they are. And it's the same way with godly prosperity. You might want to write this down or take a picture of it or something. Godly prosperity comes by knowing who we are, not because of what we have. You see, poverty is an evil spirit that creates an identity crisis. It's the same with all this gender and sex confusion going on these days. It's all an evil spirit that creates an identity crisis. Satan's on mission to make you forget who you are. He wants you to forget who you are to God. He wants you to forget who you are physically. He wants, he's the author of confusion, and there's no better way to get you confused than to give you an identity crisis. Here's what it sounds like when you have a poverty identity crisis. I'm just not good with money. I'll never make enough money. I'll never get out of debt. 
I don't have a degree. It takes money to make money. All of these types of thoughts reveal an identity crisis. Your true identity is royalty. But you're acting like a peasant. And so you're living like a peasant. And it reminds me of a young baby who was separated from his family at birth. He was adopted and he grew up with a dad that worked hard day in and day out. But no matter how hard he worked, they barely had enough to get by. And he would often hear his adopted father say things like, you know, people like us just don't get ahead. And really, this is a good thing because God keeps us poor to keep us humble. And so when he became an adult, he had the same outlook on life. Just like his adopted father, he became a hard worker, but he always struggled to provide enough for his family. And one day he became curious about his birth family. So he decided to do some research. And imagine his surprise when he found out that a $10 million estate had been left to him by his grandparents. It was available to him all along. The estate planners just weren't able to track him down. So he had lived the last 30 years in poverty, even when he had a $10 million net worth. So it wasn't until he discovered his true identity that he broke the chains of poverty and began to live in his true identity. So godly prosperity comes by knowing who we are, not because of what we have. You see, most Christians are waiting to identify as prosperous when they become prosperous. That's not faith. (laughs) It's not faith at all. We must first identify as wealthy because our Heavenly Father is wealthy, not because of our circumstances. Going back to the story about my daughter, she identifies as wealthy because her dad is wealthy. She doesn't own anything, but her dad does. And as far as she's concerned, it's hers. And I agree. It is yours, babe. It's all yours. So now let me show you several scriptures that reveal our true identity. Psalm 1-3. We are like trees planted along the riverbank, and we bear fruit in each season. Each season. Our leaves never wither, and we prosper in all we do. That's our true identity. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. We're supposed to be soaring in this life. And then Jesus says, for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. And then Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And this is a good time to point out that it's possible to become rich on your own. It's hard to do, but a lot of people pull it off. I mean, we see it. We can call this worldly prosperity. And here's the part that sucks about worldly prosperity. It makes you rich, but it adds sorrow to it. You have to sacrifice relationships. You have to sacrifice your integrity. You have to bulldoze others on the way to the top. But when the blessing of the Lord makes you rich, he adds no sorrow to it. You become wealthy and your family is still intact. You become wealthy while maintaining your integrity and living generously and never taking advantage of others. That's the blessing of the Lord, making you rich and adding no sorrow to it. Godly prosperity comes by knowing who we are, not because of what we have. Let me ask you, when is an apple tree an apple tree? After it bears fruit? No. Even when it has no fruit, it's an apple tree. Actually, as soon as it germinates, as soon as the seed germinates, 
It's an apple tree. We can't wait to identify as prosperous until we become prosperous. We have been prosperous all along because we are sons and daughters of the King. That's who we are. And I know this is hard to wrap your mind around, but I want you to get this. Your identity is who you are, regardless of your circumstances. Like if I moved to Colorado and acted like my parents didn't exist, my mom would be really sad. But I would still be your son. I haven't seen my older brother in several years. He doesn't act like my brother, but he's still my brother, right? Your identity is who you are, regardless of your circumstances. So your current circumstances might tell you that you're poor. And if you identify with your circumstances, you'll be poor. But if you latch onto your true identity in Christ, the blessing of the Lord will make you rich. Identity comes first. You have to solve the identity crisis. How? It all comes back to that mirror analogy that I gave you earlier. The only reason you know what your face looks like is because you looked at it in the mirror over and over and over and over. If you want to know what your spirit looks like, then you have to look at it in the mirror of God's word over and over and over and over. So I hope you wrote down the scriptures that I listed off earlier because you need to take them home and look at them over and over and over and over until you recognize your true identity. You are dang wealthy. I see it, but you might not see it yet because you need to look at those scriptures over and over and over. But I'm feeling pretty nice today, so I'm going to give them to you again so that you can write them down or at least take a picture of this slide. Here's all the references for you. Take those, write them on your mirror, print them out, do whatever you need to do, look at them over and over. And there are so many more. I only gave you four of like, how many, 500? <laughs> There's so many. So I hold up the mirror to you guys every Sunday so you can see your spirit. But can you imagine what you'd look like if you only looked in the mirror once per week? Your hair would look like a mess and you'd probably have something in your teeth too, right? <laughs> It is time to develop the discipline. Y'all, it's time to develop the discipline of getting in the Word day and night. You start the day with the Word, you end the day with the Word. Every day. Every day. And that's how you recognize your true identity. Amen. Y'all stand with me. Lord, we thank you for the revelation that you've given us today. We thank you that as the mirror was held up today that we saw our true identity And that we'll go home and then we'll look in the mirror again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day so that we don't forget what we look like. Father, we know your desire is for us to prosper. And I ask you to remove the unbelief today, the doubts, the wrong thinking, the wrong teaching all of that so that we can all live this soaring life that you've designed for all of us. This isn't just for the elite Christians or for the pastors or for the leaders. This is for every believer of Jesus Christ, every believer. And if we're not living in that, it's, it's our, it's our mind that's getting in the way. So I ask you to renew our mind. ask you to call us out when we start blaming others for where we're at. Because as long as we're blaming others, we won't move ahead. Lord, just help us to renew our mind.
Maybe let my words haunt them in their sleep of getting the word day and night, getting the word day and night, whatever it takes, Lord. I know the word is alive. Your word is so powerful. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. And as soon as we get in it, we recognize that. We love your word, God. We honor it today. Well, this is something we've never done to, before, but I've sensed the need that we need to just get into small groups of three to five people, whoever you're around, just circle up. Find out if there's any prayer needs, and I just want you guys to pray for each other. And if there's no prayer needs, just bless each other. Speak the word of God over each other. Just go ahead, circle up, find your group. Take a few minutes to do that. That's right. All right, y'all, go ahead and take your seats for just one more moment here. Before we go today, I want to give you an opportunity to give, of course. If you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand, and one of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope as soon as they're done praying back there. Sorry to interrupt you guys. <laughs> and there, you can give online anytime, and how you do that is you visit nolimits.fyi, tap the giving button there, it'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.